0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Beyond Rent. I'm Joe Easton from Rent Manager, and I'll be your host. This podcast is focused on having conversations with experts so we can all learn more about the property management industry. Joining me today is John Carlson of Mark Taylor Residential. The topic today is centralized leasing and the technology that is driving this business strategy. John and his team are actively moving to centralized leasing, so he has firsthand experience in this area. So let's get to the conversation and go Beyond Rent. Ensuring the resident has a great experience while also balancing technology, staffing, and operational efficiency is a true challenge for those in the residential rental industry. The concept of centralized leasing is one strategy that many are considering as a means to be more competitive in their market. To help us learn more about centralized leasing, John from Mark Taylor Residential joins the podcast today. John, welcome to Beyond Rent.
1: Joe, great to see you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you carving out some time. Um, obviously, this is going to post later. It's a Friday afternoon, uh, so we're all excited for the weekend. But I'm probably more excited about our conversation right now because we're going to talk about centralized leasing. And I think it's one of those topics that's really interesting. It's really deep. There's a lot that you can talk about with it. So I think we're going to have a good conversation about what that means for our industry. But first, I want to make sure our audience gets to know you a little bit more if they don't already know who you are. Uh, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of your role there, um, at Mark Taylor.
1: Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, Joe, John Carlson, president of Mark Taylor residential. Uh, I've been with this organization for just over 20 years. Um, we launched, uh, Mark Taylor in 1985, previous to me, Jeff, Mark, Scott Taylor, founding principals. uh, really as a development company, we've developed just over now 22,000 units in, in Arizona. Uh, but have shifted primarily to third-party management. So today we're, we're about 85% third-party management, focused primarily on Phoenix and Las Vegas markets. So a really um, class A only niche um, focus and still privately held today. And uh, that's who we are.
0: Now, that's really exciting to kind of, understand some of that background, maybe we can dig it a little bit more, um, that shift from development to third party and kind of the focus on certain um, areas as well. Uh, a, what made you shift into third party and why those areas? Is Vegas something specific? Um, is it just based on you know where you're located or your interest level? Um, what do those areas mean to you?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, what was instilled in me and joining the company and uh, as I became president in sixteen, you know i've I've worked with Jeff and Scott for many years, and we're really a data company. So really harvesting all of the information we collect from our twenty two thousand units of management and understanding you know how operationally uh, the world in terms of apartment living is 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 working. And I think the shift really was from an evergreen perspective, meaning uh, development has, cyclical nature behind it, as we all know, right? There's ups and downs, contractions, expansions. And uh, we believed at the time it was 2001 that we were we were really good at managing for ourselves and we started to understand the landscape of other ownership groups looking for third party management and we felt like we were the right provider for that. We could translate our owned operator skill set into third party. and um, really um, focused on that from 2001 through 2005. Uh, and expanded on, on that through 2015 and went to a Class A only perspective. We felt like, uh, based on our brand, uh, being really in Phoenix uh, specifically for that long, there was a, I'll just say, a synonymous understanding of Mark Taylor and luxury living. So we said Class A only, uh, not that B and C are bad, but it really fit our brand and demographics. So um, and really accelerated our growth from that standpoint in the Class A space. And felt like Las Vegas, uh, based on the data we had received from Las Vegas and, and cultivated over three or four years uh, during that time frame, that that would be our next expansion market. So uh, really, I think between those two markets from a class A only perspective, there's enough, enough growth based on our development and scale objectives to fit our needs for many decades to come.
0: Yeah, Thanks for supplying all that extra information. I, Cause I really think that's interesting as a company that isn't a new company, right? You've been able to learn and develop and evolve and kind of find where you think you fit best and really, really kind of dig deep into that. And I think that's exciting. I think every company should be a data company when it comes right. down to it. Right. That's going to be the so way that you find out. Right. It. it is very important. Like how else are you going to grow and, and know what decisions to make or not make? You really have to use that data and and it's pointing you towards certain areas, right? In certain uh, class yes. properties, and like you said, B and C aren't bad, but we need people that really focus on certain areas because that's how you become really, really good at those uh, those specific uh, classes.
1: Yeah, we. I mean, to to land the plane on this, I mean, we really care a lot about how our our residents experience Mark Taylor. So we recognized from really reviews and feedback and conversations at the at the on site level that if someone lived in a class A and then moved to a Mark Taylor B uh there was a disconnect between their expectations and living experience from what they previously received. So that was really uh important in that decision making process.
0: Yeah, and setting those good expectations and that good experience all the way through. So no great uh, thanks for sharing that background. Uh well let's talk about centralized leasing and and maybe just like you told kind of the background there, maybe you can tell a little bit of the background of, you know, what made your company start to focus on centralized leasing. And then we can dive in a little bit more and talk about what it actually is
1: sure um you know i'll go right back to the pandemic so uh march of 2020 uh the world shuts down uh, i was in dc during president trump's speech when we basically went on full lockdown uh, came back to phoenix uh really we just trying to navigate all of the the pressures of 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 that pandemic at the time locked our offices in april uh, at the site level uh skeleton true everyone was scared Uh, And then in May, we rolled up our data for April and we looked at the numbers. And the reality was we had at least twice as many units as we normally otherwise would have on a per unit basis. And we said, what the hell, like what just happened? Uh, And I think in that moment or at least that week, uh, I believe, and I I said this to my executive team, I believe the old operational apartment model is dead. And we have to do something on a go forward basis, regardless of what happens with the pandemic. We didn't know it was going to happen like everyone else at the time. Uh, but we really had to retool, uh, break down our business to the studs in terms of how we really cared for the apartment market and residents and prospects. So uh, we did that. And, um, you know, gosh, almost three years later, uh, we've gone through what I'll say is our testing cycle of centralized leasing, and now we're rolling it out uh, to a portion of our portfolio. And it's really exciting. And I and I think back to a a quote I really love, and I, I think I've said this many times, uh, probably to you as well, but the learners are are perfectly equipped to, to inherit the world of tomorrow, uh, while the learned are perfectly equipped to handle the world that no longer exists. And all I'm saying by that is, you know, I, I had many conversations with a multitude of groups in different sectors saying, I can't wait to get back to the, to the norm. Um, for us, we felt like it was an opportunity like let's go see what this means and pivot and really create something special long term that could not only influence our business our residents and future residents but also the industry as a whole.
0: Yeah, and I think that was really wise in that moment and you know it is amazing how often we continue to talk about the pandemic and kind of the impact of it but in those early moments Everyone made really hard decisions, right? And and I don't fault anyone for saying, you know what, we're just gonna like bear down and hunker down and just try to figure out how to get through this. I, I don't, you know, fault anyone for that because that was kind of a natural reaction. But when we look back, we realize that those that took it as an opportunity to continue to learn make some drastic changes, are the ones that are kind of excelling right now, right? Because they kind of hit the ground running as as things open back up. It really created new opportunities. And I think that's kind of a, a life lesson, right? If you're going through a difficult time, um, trying to maintain the status quo probably isn't the right decision, right? You have to continue to adapt. And while we didn't know how long the pandemic was going to last and the lockdown and so forth, it seems like your team was active the entire time making decisions and deciding that we're going to be aggressive through this. We're not going to be passive. We're not just going to wait and see what happens.
1: Right. And, you know, one of our founding principles be better than yesterday. And we felt like that perfectly applied uh, to this portion of our business.
0: Yep. Well, that, that was a good move. And um, so maybe let's define what centralized leasing is like. What does that mean to you and the Mark Taylor group?
1: Sure. And I think, you know, globally, I think we're still trying to understand what that really means. Uh, because you can go down several pathways. Um, you know, I can think back to pre-pandemic and you would have may- maybe some shared personnel or a district manager and all of those things we we, we know that existed. Uh, but I think if you fast forward to today, um, you have groups trying to figure it out like us saying, okay, do I uh, over-engage from a human capital perspective? So I'm really uh, elevating the efficiencies of staff in a certain submarket sector. Uh, to perform more efficiently. And maybe that's just through uh, a shift in slight more, slightly more efficiencies from a human capital perspective. Or you can go to the extreme technology side and say, I'm just going to roll up everything through one uh, platform or technology piece and really try to streamline the experience for resident through technology only. Uh, for us at Mark Taylor, you know, we're looking to solve really four things. So it's it's lead management, it's service meaning once you're living in the community how do we service you uh it's also you know pre planning turns work orders maintenance all those things uh it's resident relations uh both pre and post move in and then really you know financial operations so how do we efficiently create the right uh i'll say environment for those four pieces of of the business to be successful and i think what I know to be true is we've always been mostly as a sector generalist, and I'll give you an example. So an assistant manager, um, of the old, I'll just say the old model, uh, would be a, uh, a manager, right? They'd lead their leasing team. They would be a resident liaison. Like I got to communicate and support my residents that exist there. So it's customer service. Uh, I also have to be kind of the, you know, bad guy, you know, I'm, I'm waving my five day. Cause I need my rent check. Uh, I got to fill in for the manager. Uh, all, also, I have to be great at accounting and bookkeeping, uh, do month end and, and understand ledgers and all of those things. So the reality is those people are really hard to find. Uh, and I don't know that really anyone, if you, if you think about an analogy, you don't have quarterbacks in football playing kicker and wide receiver, right? They're specialists. So we really said to ourselves, how do we create a specialist type level for each role and what role needs to be at the site level and what role could be at, say, a centralized position or, or location? So that's how the framework came to us. Like that's how we started to think about the business as we broke down every position saying, what needs to continue to happen? What can we stop doing? And then what can we shift to potentially a global service perspective or centralized area?
0: And all of that came during the lockdown, right? Because you were trying to probably make those same decisions, right? Because there was no office to go back to right. at that point, so <laughs> you kind of had a unique opportunity. And you bring up a really good point. And a lot of industries kind of fall in that category sometime. But I, and I think of a lot of like service industries, when we look at like retail or um, hospitality or the restaurant industry, you put people in positions where they really have to get really great at a lot of things. At the end of the day, they only get really good at those things because there's it's just too wide for them. Um, so I think it's exciting, probably exciting for those people in those roles to get really, really great at a very specific part of the business. Um, so help me understand, and you n- name those four items that you're really focusing in, in on. Did you already know those before you started the process, or do those four specific things come out of this entire process of evaluating the roles? Uh,
1: you know, I think these were known but surfaced to be most crucial, uh, right from just really bucketing or creating silos of okay, what, what really matters and I'll just use, I'll use resident experience as an example. And I think it would, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't make this explicitly stated that technology has advanced enough for us to to do this. Uh, You know, we couldn't do this five years ago. So um, we've always wanted to think about it this way. And so when you think about a resident experience, you know, how do they find us first as a I mean, just forget Mark Taylor, just how do they find an apartment community? And then what's their general interaction with that apartment community? Well, certainly the pandemic helped, I, I think fast forward the, the self-service uh, platform for consumers, meaning everyone wants something now. And I think a component of speed matters too, meaning how fast do I get the information I want? So uh, we realized that people were okay touring a community Without a leasing consultant holding their hand, uh, right now there's a there's a testament to, to be to, to to supporting the leasing and sales process. Of course, uh, great sales is a great sales, but there are certain individuals, specifically Gen Z and 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 the younger millennials, that say, "Hey, uh, I grew up on a device. I don't need uh, Joe to take me around and look at an apartment. I, I've done more research and probably know more about the community than potentially a brand new leasing consultant." Uh, and we've learned that too, right? People spend a lot of time understanding where they're gonna live. It's a very important decision for them. So how do we engage that prospect and and get them to a comfort level where they'll they'll be a resident? So we know that some people just show up at the community. Uh, However, most do a lot of research. They wanna talk to you on the phone. Um, They wanna text you. Um, We have built a tool called Hobbs, which is our AI chat. Um, So a supportive mechanism for all of those things. So how do we meet the needs of the customer knowing everyone works a little bit differently. Joe might just want to communicate through phone and text or, or, or AI. Uh, Barbara, who is maybe an older demographic, I'm not saying it has to be an older demographic, but might want that handholding, like give me the actual, you know, soup to nuts tour physically. I want to know everything about the community through the lens of you as an employee. So really meeting the needs of that prospect or resident initially uh, through technology and human capital. So hybrids the focus for us. How do we hybrid that? and make sure that we're creating that five-star resident experience.
0: Yeah, and and that resonates with me because one of our kind of like uh, core beliefs is this idea of like choice, right? Allowing um our customers to operate the way that they want, you know, have the choice to operate the way they want. But when you talk about a prospective resident, uh we also have to Empower them to make the choice, right? And that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, whether it's Joe or Barbara, like I said, the age doesn't necessarily matter. People want to make different choices, right? So you want to not take away the opportunity to be walked through a property by a, an agent, but you also want to leverage the opportunity for someone to not do that, right? So how do you offer both? And it sounds like technology is the piece that's pulling that all together. So, you know, you had mentioned some AI. Um, what other kind of like technology categories are really driving? you know, this idea of centralized leasing. And, and I guess to piggyback on that question too, is like, so we talked through that experience of like self-showing and so forth. Uh, is that something new for Mark Taylor? Is that part of kind of the centralized leasing or did that exist prior to that?
1: Uh, I think the pandemic accelerated, you know, so it went from virtual tours to self-guided. Um, that certainly was something that was on our radar, but just again, you know, the, the pandemic helped push that forward for us. Um, when I think about, so that's a really good question. the The software component, right? So go back pre-pandemic, and you look at just take the top ten, PM, uh, you know, property management software companies, and you go down the list. I won't name names, um, but very, I'll say, monolithic in their approach. Like this is my software for this community, and you should use my stack. And you know, for this to work, in my opinion, you have to have a concentration of units because you have to hub. Your resources from a human, human capital perspective. Uh, and you have to have this, the tooling and the software to, to allow for that. So I think, you know, through even last year, there's, there's been a bunch of attempts from kind of a one off basis. Uh, you know, we'll create a CRM that potentially integrates with a PMS, but it's just this PMS. Um, we'll do this for one community only. Uh, and that's how this software piece works. So for us, we said we have to build our own. Right. So we we partnered with some former Amazon guys who started Union. And they really, um, through the guise of us describing to them what was necessary to be successful in the space, helped build with a very sophisticated tooling uh, a centralized platform. Uh, and, and I'll give you an example today. Uh, on our hubs, you're essentially you have a you have union at the center of everything. So uh it's also our CRM piece but it integrates from almost an agnostic perspective with all of the PMSs that we utilize. So you have an ability from first touch point to really load in that prospect, ensure that there's there's line of sight to what that prospect's doing, where they came from, uh, stage-gating them through tasks and ensuring that that customer service follow-up's happening uh, on through the move-in. And we can do that through AI, through union Indoor, our personnel. Uh, But the key is uh, that centralized software allows us to work through a multitude of assets. If we wanted to have 10 properties within one window for one leasing team, we could. So Joe, if you're leasing, I can say I'm XYZ property in ABC. I have all my leads. I'm funneling those in. I'm having those conversations. I have support through Hobbs and AI because it's a support mechanism. It's not just answering questions, but supporting an answer for the leasing consultant as the question is presented through through the text chain. So there's a lot of things that we're allowing to create that five-star experience. So giving that prospect the information they want uh, in an immediate functionality within seconds uh, based on on how they want to be received, whether it's in-person, AI, chat, phone call.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing is like centralized leasing requires centralized data, right? You have to have all your data in one place and have access to that data, um, access to data has always been huge, but I don't think our industry specifically has done a great job. Like you were saying, a lot of siloed data, a lot of one-off pieces of software that didn't talk to each other. You really have to have everything working together to be able to do that because these employees are all types of different places. And if you're going to specialize you know, they have to be able to get to the data quickly because they might be managing many, many properties from a lead perspective. Right. So they're not, yeah, they're experts on every property, but they're actually more of an expert in the process and the software and the tools that they have access to more so than anything else.
1: And and to your point, I mean, if, if you think about, you know, I mentioned concentration or penetration in one market, this, you know, this would be difficult if you had 500 units in Seattle and Portland, my point being is I have three thousand five hundred units in Tempe alone, Tempe, Arizona. Uh, I have communities that are less than a half a mile from each other. So in in past mindset, it basically you have a wall in between the two, and you don't share staff, even though they're Mark Taylor employees, owned by different ownership groups, right? So it's retraining our our brain, owners included, to say no, no, no. These are Mark Taylor employees. Uh, if you have fifteen move-ins at property ABC in one day, uh, you have two floods. Uh, you have 75 work orders, but nothing's going on in property XYZ. Uh, you just have a lack of efficiency. Why not have that staff assisting them through efficient matters, scheduling? Uh, we use Happy Co. on the service side. So we're, we're scheduling turn boards electronically. We're creating work orders electronically. It's all syncing with mobile devices so that there's efficiencies in human capital. Uh, and you can handle those units most likely with a few less people. And that's okay. Uh, it doesn't mean that there's not career paths going forward or jobs, but, um, it's creating a much better experience for both the employee because there is efficiencies. Uh, they have a plan for the day or the week uh, and the residents because they're getting the service they expect right now.
0: Yeah, and that's one thing that I've heard recently, and I want to know your input on it, is this idea of using technology to create better experiences for your staff, for your team, for your employees. Historically, it was always like, how do we make our or, uh, operations more efficient, how to become more profitable through technology. I think there's a little bit of a shift to making it a better experience for, for the employee. And I was going to ask like, what is that impact? Because now you're kind of asking employees to do, you know, things that they're not used to and, and change is really different. So what, what's that experience like, and how are you creating those career paths? You know, now that things are centralized, you
1: know, I think the, the, the biggest component, um, in terms of potentially being successful or not is engaging engaging all of them to understand what their needs are so we did that during you know our baseline assessment uh, and as we've launched these test pods and, and et cetera okay here's the hot points here's things that are working here's things that are not we know we're going to fail in many ways but learn from that uh, you know take their viewpoints uh, this is a meritocracy we want to understand you know everyone's thoughts in terms of how we build this thing the right way so it's really engaging in that way. So you create a, what we always say, a five-star employee experience to create then a subsequent five-star resident experience. If you have a three-star experience for, for, for your employees, how do you get a five-star resident experience? It's impossible, in my opinion. Uh, and that's just what I've learned over the years. So uh, we are hyper-focused on our people. That's our core strategic initiative. And I think through that involvement, through really leading the right training, culture, involvement, engagement, empowerment, you're shifting and allowing for that to happen. So it's through the people and and, and incorporating them in the process.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a phenomenal mindset to, again, focus on your people, your teams, and knowing that when they are very happy with their, their roles, their careers, that just has such a a huge impact on the actual resident, right? Uh, When people Mm -hmm. are happy to come to work, guess what, you're going to have really happy residents. Um, But like at the same time, how do the owners, View this this idea of centralized leasing and centralized employees and staff because, like you mentioned, you've got properties close to each other that are competing properties, right? They're both Class A, they're competing, and now you're saying that the staff is truly shared among these properties. Do the owners see this as a conflict of interest, um, in any sense, or how do you manage that with the owner side?
1: You know, I think that's that's also a mind shift that's going to have to occur. Uh, in this space, what I can tell you is every year, uh, owners typically, and, you know, we're owners as well. So we're in that category, which is nice. So we can balance both sides, but how do we ensure that we're containing expenses, uh, but also creating efficiencies, uh, to create a better service and experience. So I think this is the opportunity. I think, uh, the owners that say, you know what, you know, it's my manager or it's, it's my leasing consultant, um. If that's the case, so be it. We have the old model. It's 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 here, it's ready, it can go for many decades. Uh, but for those of them that are growth mindset, see the potential uh, benefits, I think the benefit list is this long versus the negative. So can you get past the fact that yes, you're sharing a, an MCO with a different owner, uh, but you're getting better results, uh, better resident experience, a better employee experience, less turnover, all of those things, uh, I think, most owners are smart, and they'll see the value in that. So we'll have that. We'll have that old playbook available, but uh, you know, it's it's education, it's training, it's it's partnerships, right? Saying, "Hey, we don't have everything figured out, but but believe in us." And, and you know, we have a lot of long-term clients, which I think really believe in what we do from an innovation perspective. Uh, I think back to you know working with Amazon across the country for the first time uh, with their package lockers in 15. And, you know, I had ownership groups saying, "Ah, I don't know about package lockers, you have leasing staffs, right? So, you know, it's just, it's realizing how the business and needs shift. And I think our owners will be very willing to accept centralized leasing.
0: Yeah. in that long-term mindset and having those clients that you've worked with for a long time, I'm sure there's a trust level, right? You've proven right. time and time again that you make good decisions and you can help them see, you know, uh, bigger returns based on how you operate and how you can help them. Do you see a future where you would not work with an owner if they wanted the old model that you get to the point where, Hey, we have this figured out 95%. We know it's better. It truly does work. And if you want the old model, then we just might not be the right fit for you.
1: Uh, Certainly. I think early in my career, um, you know, in 16, we started our new business platform. And uh, I think at the time, I would probably take almost any class A owner. Um, You know, and that can bite you um, badly if there's a misalignment of philosophy. Um, So, you know, I can can go through many stories about that. But I think long-term, what I've learned is that you should align yourself with, folks that align with you philosophically so i think we interview potential clients as much as they interview us now Uh, i should start an RFP process for owners for management right (laughs) (laughs) that sounds a bit audacious but my point being that we should be aligned because the last thing i want to do is to get into a relationship with an owner and six months in there's a disconnect between how we operate our business and what their expectations are so really understanding their investment objectives is, is crucial to our success and them understanding how we operate our assets.
0: Yeah. And, and again, that's a smart approach. And, and I do hear that quite often when it comes to third-party management, that alignment is really, really important. And you know you don't want to take on an owner that you have that hard conversation with six months or 12 months in, that it's not a good fit and it's really painful for everyone. So um, it is interesting to kind of see how your business is shifting and how you might have to shift and, and interact with different owners in that in that that space. So uh, now if somebody is looking at centralized leasing, right, maybe they didn't make a lot of changes through the pandemic, through the lockdown. And now they're like, Hey, this actually sounds like it's something we should be doing. What are some of those like first steps that they, they should do? Is there like a checklist or an evaluation that they need to give themselves to understand their next step?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I truly believe you have to assess, you know, the, the pinch points of your business. So if it is staffing and there's a lack of technology around how you support operations today, you have to understand and assess what that looks like. How do you, how do you shift that from a, okay, I'm heavy human capital to potentially some technology or hybrid solution. Um, but it's really understanding your core business. So I, I use the assistant manager as an example before, um, if, if you have, you know, I'll just say 10 properties and you have 10 different assistant managers, how good are they at whatever their job descriptions are? So uh, going granular, when we when we broke down what we do and don't do or what we should do going forward back in 2020, uh, we said AMCO or assistant manager, uh, okay, what do they do at the site? So why do they have to do month-end, as an example, while sitting at a computer uh, in a community in Tempe, Arizona? Based on our technology, that doesn't even make any sense. Why do they have to be in the office doing that? Oh, it's because they have to take care of residents. Well, can we take care of residents in a different way? Um, So I think it's understanding how much you wanna be a specialized group, how much you wanna be a generalist and at what levels within those positions, uh, and then understanding what your tech stack looks like and your capabilities. So um, I would certainly uh, engage with union to at least understand what I think is the only true centralized office software today that would support such a venture or endeavor and understand you know what your your footprint looks like and I, I would say in doing all of that it would take still at least a year to 18 months to even get something kind of scratching the surface to roll out uh, and then additionally uh, i think you really have to and i think this is really important uh, engage your entire team you know site level to executives to ensure that they're all moving in the same pathway uh, with with the same mission and vision because if they're not you're going to have people going this direction and we certainly know there's going to be a percentage of folks saying, oh, I don't, I don't get it and I don't want to do it. I want to do it the old way, the way I know, uh, which just creates friction. So you want a frictionless motion because uh, you're already going to still have things happen along the way. And I think that's leadership. It's communication. It's engagement, empowerment. If you don't do that, you will not be successful.
0: Yeah. And obviously there's a lot to unpack there, but the reality is, is it is a big decision and there's a lot of these moving pieces, but that, that is such a good place to start. Like that evaluation, thinking through things, understanding. And I love the part about getting engagement, getting feedback. Um, it's really important that leaders are kind of thinking about that, because if you don't have that buy-in, if you don't have the people that are actually executing, understand what the vision is. Like you said, they're going to be all over the place and and a little lost along the way. So and I, now that I makes think Joe, sense. you have
1: to, yeah, you have to add to the the demography of today. You have to think about you know what's our workforce of today and tomorrow. It's young millennials and, and Gen Z. They're very technology prone and uh, want to be challenged in a myriad of ways. They don't just want to go to one community and work there for five years in one position. They want engagement across the board so can we create a situation where a service te- technician is working at 10 communities in one submarket, uh, engaged with technology lots of action on their phone mobile centric uh here's the next step here's what you do i just think all of those things uh have to be a focal point for us as we go forward because you know my age group is not going to be the service technician of tomorrow it's mm-hmm. just not reality
0: Yep. nope yep. uh, that's that's a great way to end it right you have to focus on the future and uh yeah, I agree. Gen Z, uh, millennials, definitely the future. You got to build something that's going to work for, for that group. Uh, well, thanks for being with us today, John. I think this is a really interesting conversation. Again, centralized leasing is impactful. It is a total. Shift in how you operate your business, so it can be a little scary for people. So I think what you've talked about today is a great way to get people to think differently and start to scratch the surface of what this could mean for their business. Uh, Before we sign off, I want to make sure our listeners know a little bit more about Mark Taylor, what you're up to. If you want to, you know, drop in a a website or something, they can go visit and learn more. Uh, Great opportunity to do it.
1: Absolutely, you can find me John Carlson on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, Mark Taylor or Mark-Taylor.com is our website. So go check us out. Uh, Again, we're Phoenix based with assets in Las Vegas as well. Uh, You know, we're still developing. um, We're 85% third party management or consulting services. Um, We're doing a lot of things from our data specific uh, output. So, you know, I'll say consulting services from a a data perspective as well, not just development and management. So um, we're excited about our growth. Um, You know, we're, we're expanding our services in many ways in these two specific markets. And really, our goal is to be infinite. Um, So the Simon Sinek lovers out there, uh, it's the infinite journey. You know, we think that, you know, we really look at our business this way. Can we be better tomorrow than we were today? And assessing ourselves from an organic perspective, we're not really into wins and losses. It's about being in business infinitely or in perpetuity and Uh, that's how we think 38 years in the business. We want to be in business 50, 60, 70 years. And, and and that's really how we think as an organization. So check us out, reach out to me, love to connect.
0: All right. Really appreciate it, John. Uh, Your your time is really valuable. And I know our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing from you and all the wisdom that you've shared today. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. It means so much that you choose to spend this time learning about property management right alongside of us. And if you enjoyed today's episode, then make sure you subscribe using your favorite podcast player. And while you're there, if you can take some time to rate, review and share it with others, we'd appreciate that. And if you aren't familiar with Rent Manager quite yet, then visit rentmanager.com to learn more or reach out to me, Joe Easton directly on LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining us and until next time, keep going, beyond rent.